Well, here we are, the podcast just before Christmas. Christmas is this Friday, coming up on the 24th, obviously, and 25th. We kind of had a tradition in our family. On Christmas, we would always open one present on Christmas Eve. Then we'd open the rest on Christmas morning. So it was always kind of a way of releasing or relieving the anxiety and the stress of Christmas because you just couldn't wait as a kid to just get something open and find out what the big surprises were. But there was some accountability, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I couldn't open that present till Christmas Eve, and it had to be nighttime. It had to be dark, so I anxiously waited. I hope this scripture today finds you anxiously willing and waiting to do, do what is good, as it says in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. I think you can tell already there's a sense of accountability just in that message. But what is accountability and how am I accountable? Well, let's, let's identify the difference between responsibility and accountability. Responsibility is task-oriented. Every person on a team may be responsible for a given task that is required to complete a massive project. Now, accountability is what happens after a situation has occurred. It is how you respond and take ownership over the results. There's the difference. It seems like a fine line, but there is a difference. Everyone is ultimately accountable to God. He is the creator of all things. And as it says in Hebrews 4.13, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Jameson Fawcett and Brown's Bible commentary talks about this mocking. The mocking literally means the Greek verb is to sneer with the nostrils, drawn up in contempt. God does not suffer himself to be imposed on by empty words. He will judge accordingly to works which are seeds sown for eternity of either joy or woe. Have you ever had someone get mad at you and snarl their nose at you and wrinkle their nose or however, and they give you this kind of an ugly look? God doesn't accept that. And he says, you'll be accountable for what you do. Matthew 18, 6 says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. I think Matthew 18.6 may be the scariest Bible verse of all for leaders. 
While this is describing what happens to those who led children astray, this easily applies to leadership as well. So we're accountable to how we lead and what the message is that we're getting out there. As leaders, you're held accountable to those you lead. These people are looking to you for guidance, like little children. So we have a responsibility to lead and to lead well. We can't take our leadership lightly, otherwise we will be held accountable. Realize your position as a leader isn't for the faint of heart. You've got a great responsibility to lead rightly. Think of the times when you've been held accountable. For me, every time I got called into the principal's office, I knew I was being held accountable for something. I don't think he was just calling me in to have a great conversation today. Or my parents asking me where I'm going to for the evening. And why was I late coming back? How about if you're a delivery person? Doesn't your employer want you to complete the deliveries and packages on time and to make sure you deliver them? You know, we were just reading in the news and the awareness of a FedEx employee that was dumping a, a lot of packages in some ravine for several months. That just made headline news. Now, I think there's going to be some accountability. He probably thought he could get away with it, but eventually he's going to have to answer to this. That's accountability. Sometimes we're held accountable when we're stopped for speeding by the police. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? They were held accountable for their lies, and unfortunately they dropped dead in their feet. No chance to recover. How about Peter's denial? I think this was an interesting story. When you read that in Luke 22, verse 60 through 61, and Peter said, Man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you ever know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. But Jesus had warned him about this. And Jesus wanted him to see what he could do to correct it. That's my speculation. Jesus told Peter what the result was going to be before it even happened. He was already holding him accountable. Peter had an opportunity to change, but in his stubborn mind, he felt like he could do it himself. Notice how it says that I, this is what Peter said, I would never do that. What he should have said is, Lord, help me not to do such a thing. Look at the verse in its actual statement, Luke 22, verse 33. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. Peter could have easily said, Lord, I want you to be with me on this. I believe what you're saying. I mean, he could have changed that whole scenario. But this is how it turned out. And Peter, Peter got it. He got it straight on by just Jesus looking at him. He knew right away. I don't know about you, but when my parents gave me a glare from a distance, if we were at a family gathering or some event, I knew what I had done wrong. 
or I knew it was a strong warning about my behavior at the moment. They didn't have to say a word. I knew that I knew trouble was imminent or just happened. When that happened to me, my heart would sink because I knew there were consequences. Verse 8 has a couple of defining moments. Number one, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature. And secondly, and those who live to please the Spirit. It's one of the two. What are you going to do? There is also two defining results of those decisions. One is, one will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. The other alternative, number two, is one will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. It's clear. This doesn't talk about anything in between. It's either one or the other. We are accountable either way. This is why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. John chapter 14, verse 6. I love what Psalms 126, verse 6 says. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. So it's hard labor, but the results is what's important. There's the accountability. You get a good harvest. You have a good crop for the year. There's much temptation already in the world today, and Satan is always striving to create even more. In the face of such temptation, many Christians seek out an accountability partner to pray with and to help share the burdens that come with doing spiritual warfare. It's good to have a brother or a sister who can be counted on when we need it in our face of our temptations. King David was alone the evening that Satan tempted him into adultery with Bathsheba. We read that in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Even while I was in office as the mayor, I always wanted a witness in my meetings. That way I don't divert from anything else and no one can make false accusations about me. The Bible tells us we fight a war not of flesh but of the spirit against power and spiritual forces who threaten us. Ephesians 6.12 Know that this power is much higher than you in that sense. Knowing we are in a battle against the force of darkness, we should want as much help as we can gather around us. And this may include making ourselves accountable to another believer who can encourage us in this fight. Paul tells us that we must be equipped with all the power that God supplies to fight the battle. He says in Ephesians 6.13, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. We know without a doubt that temptation will come. We should be prepared. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens his friend's countenance. A friend's countenance is to, well, it's a look or it's an expression of encouragement or moral support. When is the last time you had a friend call you and just ask you, how are you doing? And when's the last time you called a friend and asked he or she if they need to talk? Encouragement and moral support from a friend are sometimes the missing ingredients in fighting the battle against Satan. 
Being accountable to one another can provide those missing ingredients. The writer of Hebrews summed it up when he said, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some in the ha- are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 10 verses 24 through 25. The body of Christ is interconnected and we have a duty to each other to build each other up. Also, James implies accountability when he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James 5 verse 16. Let me give you some takeaways that I'm garnering from all this that we've been talking about out of scripture. What I see on this is number one, accountability can be helpful in the battle of overcoming sin. Number two, an accountability partner can be there to encourage you, rebuke you, teach you, rejoice with you, and cry with you. Every Christian should consider having an accountability partner with whom he or she can really pray with, talk to, confide, and confess. Number four, equip ourselves with the power that God supplies to fight this battle. Number five, live to please the Spirit, not your sinful nature. Number six, do what is good when you have the opportunity. Be action-oriented. Number seven, God sees everything and we are ultimately accountable to Him. Number eight, don't be the proximate cause of someone falling into sin. Be the one who helps someone retreat from sin. Number nine, change the I to we. It's not just about you. You need partnership with God's family and with God Himself. But then there's the ultimate accountability when we get to heaven especially when Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the outcome that we want. Righteous accountability. God bless you. Have a great Christmas this year.